Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze. You guys know me, but you know I bring on some interesting guests. And I've got someone who uh, was on our, our show recently, but with um, we decided we might have her on a little more often because, well, she's just that good. Uh, so I've got Miss uh, Sharon Smaga from Pop Coach Life. Um, and by the way, her podcast is out if you guys are interested. Uh, look for uh, Pop Coach Life in your favorite podcast directory and you'll find it. Sharon, welcome. Or actually, before we get to that, let me touch on, let me hit on today's sponsor so that we can dive right into the content. Today's sponsor is uh, Get Freedom CBD. I've told you guys how how big I am on CBD products. I love it, and believe me, I was using it yesterday because I was do- I was doing some major hurting, and so I just grabbed that stuff and I rolled it on the back of my neck, and it definitely helped. If you guys are interested in relieving some of those annoying things that plague you, like you know, and you really don't want to load up on opiates, well, this stuff will help. Go to get uh, getfreedomcbd.com. And use the code UNRESOLVED10 to save 10% on your purchase. Uh, the roll-ons that are there are, are 750 milligrams. They're an isolate CBD brand, which means they have no THC in them. And believe me when I say they, they get rid of the pain. So, of course, you know, not supposed to say that, but that's the truth. So, you know how that goes. Uh, test it for yourself. Try it for yourself. And um, enjoy it www.getfreedomcbd.com. And with that, Sharon, welcome to Unresolved. Hello, how are you today? I am doing pretty good. How are you? Not bad, girl. Not bad. Good to be back. <laughs> well, we like having you around here. So, um, let's. You know, we could touch on a lot of different subjects, and I have a feeling we will uh, as things move forward. But um, we've been having a couple of conversations off mic uh, recently. And I wanted to kind of bring some of that to today to our audience because I think it would actually help them. And the com- the conversation is like, who is God? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying who is God from a, a theological standpoint necessarily, as in when, when you're dealing with the shoe leather of the faith and you're going through that, the stuff and in this time period, in this day and age, uh, that could take any number of things from COVID to financial nightmares to anything. Where does God actually fit into that? The first thing that comes to my mind is to say he doesn't fit in. And I think that that's something we struggle with a lot. We, is that we try to fit him in or make room for him, I think it would be more accurate to say it's about kind of, if you will, wrapping our lives around him, right? So we don't fit him in. He's at the core. He's at the center. Because if he's at the center, any of those problems, big or small, don't get to take charge or take the lead or be in the center. Because if we let them be in the center, right, our control, trying to solve the problem, trying to fix the mess, trying to get over the relationship, whatever we're facing, uh, we've now put our problem with us in the center of our existence, uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And I think that's an inherent problem. Uh, 
where we ought to have the relationship with God in the center. Does that make sense? It does. Um, I, I mean, I, the, you know, it's one thing to say God is at the center and I get the um, desire for that to be the case, but what does that actually look like? Like, for example, if, if you're going through, you know, I've, I, and, and this is just an example, but I think it's one of the more relevant ones. If someone calls and said, yeah, so-and-so has COVID and oh, by the way, they're now in the hospital, whatever you believe about God at the, at, in the past, now you're going, wait a minute, I may lose my loved one due to this virus and God, you're supposed to be in the center of it. So how does that work? Maybe there's an assumption in that. I'm thinking this through as you're asking these questions a little bit. You know, maybe the assumption in the middle of that is that God is only there if things are going well, that if God is present, things will always go well. And that's not a really good baseline or theological assumption. The reality is whether we are in pain and suffering, in joy, in peace, in celebration, or in loss. He's in all of it with us. So I think, and I think we talked about this a little bit before in our our last interview, maybe that, you know, sometimes we treat him a little bit like he's the magician and, um, or the end of a good Disney movie. I don't know, like, gee, Lord, my life sucks. And if you don't show up and remove the circumstance and you must not be God, I don't know that it occurs to us and that it's him being God doesn't mean he works um, I want to be careful I say this, that he doesn't work for us. And by when I say that, he does work on our behalf, but he does not answer to us. He is God, right? And it's interesting too, because I I feel like this maybe connects. I was just having a conversation with somebody else um, very recently about, I see a moment in time. I see a need that I have or that somebody I love has. I see a want in my life, and I want God to work on my behalf. There's this big picture we don't see. And I don't know if I can articulate this well, but the reality is I cannot demand that God work on my behalf in a way that impedes or does harm to others. But all I see is my need in a moment. And so I can get quite demanding with God, quite uh, yeah, guilty of childish. That mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can get childish with him. I I can let the fear take over or the desire take over. And it's not really about us being in control. I don't know about you, but I've I've been in a place in my life where I was, you know, quote unquote in control and running my life and doing my thing. And um yeah, that worked you know, out well. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like a glittery dumpster fire. It was pretty at times, but it was all still on fire. I either want that control, but then I don't need God, right? Or I accept that he is in control and he knows what all our needs are. I also have to accept, quite frankly, that we live in a fallen world. Um, there's nothing about a relationship with God that promises or guarantees we won't suffer at all anymore or that suddenly we'll all behave, you know, and bad things won't happen. And how many times do we find ourselves praying that, especially lately, like, God, uh, it's getting really, really dicey down here. <sighs> sure. And it, and it, I think he wants us to be real with us. I, I absolutely think we should. And I think you and I might have been talking about this a little bit the other day, you know, 
about kind of this idea of we we go to God. He's our Abba. He's our Father. How would you, you know if you didn't just treat him like the guy out there in the sky? How would you talk to him? Um, how would you have a conversation with him if you and I are talking? I don't sit and say, "Oh, Teresa, how great thou art," and you know please forgive me for feeling this way, but I really want a new car. I just look at you and say, girl, I'd sure like a new car, but I don't know if I can afford it. (laughs) Right. And I'm not saying we should be disrespectful with God, but I am saying he calls, he called, he is, he's God. He's Lord overall. We know this. We respect that. We fear that in a healthy way, but he is also tells us he is father. He tells us, he calls us friend and what happens when we start going to the relationship we have with him and saying, you know what, Lord, I'm really frustrated today and I don't get it. And I don't get why this is happening to me, but I know you're in it and I need your help with it. Or my car is, is given up and I don't know if I can afford a new one. And can I need your help in finding a solution, Lord. Do we just go to him and talk to him like a father or like a friend? Or do we treat him like this big God in the sky who doesn't care about our everyday lives? When things happen that maybe weren't um, planned on, or especially things that are not like really good, um, you know, like some kind of loss or or whatever it is, I think then people kind of go, wait, God, where were you when this happened? And I think a lot of people, and I, I mean, I've been there you know, uh, going through some of the stuff that I've been through. It's like, uh, God, um, hello down here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, sure. And, and the answer is always right there with you. And, And I'll, I'll give you an example. I can, let's, let's just use kind of a, almost a silly example, but it's what we do figuratively a lot in our lives. I think let's say I go grab a shovel out of the shed and go in my backyard and dig a great big hole. And I don't like the hole. So I'm going to fix the hole by digging it some more. And before you know it, I've dug myself down so deep. I'm kind of stuck in my own hole and I can't climb back out. And then, and because we, we do this a lot. And then I turn to God and say, well, why am I in this hole? And where are you? <laughs> right? And the answer is he's right in the hole with me that I dug. <laughs> so, it's the... It's the free will factor, and we like to discount that, right? And I'm thinking of that uh, passage of scripture as you're talking. That um, that ah, come on, stay right there. Uh, that talks about even if I make my bed and in Sheol, you're right there with me, you know. And and you know, and you don't really think about that, but it's like when you're going through that that thing, whatever that is, and I get it. Um, there are some people that have gone through a lot of crap, and you're just like. Okay, where the heck is God, especially in this? I don't think we see him until we're like halfway out of it. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Perhaps at times and perhaps we don't see him until we hit the bottom of wherever we're in. Um, But the reality is, I I don't know. We can't have this discussion without recognizing the role of our free will. We want free will, right? We don't want to be controlled by God. Because then there's no freedom to actually choose him or worship him. We have that choice. But then as soon as having that freedom creates a situation that we don't like or that is painful, then we start blaming him. So you're a sinner. 
I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We live in a fallen, a sin-filled world. And then we act surprised when bad things happen. (laughs) And not only have I been harmed by others, I have harmed others. And I think in that moment where I'm like, well, Lord, and why don't you, you know, take me out of this? Or can't you just do this? Or why don't you do that? Or save this person? While I deeply appreciate the heart of that in a moment, I also know there's a part of me, I feel like that is saying, you know, I deserve that. And I've never been the bad thing that happened to anybody else. And so I think there's some hypocrisy in that demand for all of us. I, I think I could, I would argue strongly for that. So in the moment that I think for him to be God, he's got to do what I want to save me or preserve me or my life or someone in my life or do it a certain way so it won't hurt so bad because somebody's hurting me. And don't you get it, Lord? And I feel like he's kind of going maybe a little bit, yes. And I also see the harm you do to others. And you're all my children. I think it's very normative that when we're struggling, that we ask or demand God to change, remove, or give something, right? That's not how this works. The way this works is he walks through it with us. And there is scripture after scripture that shows us that, that teaches us that. There is story after story. Um, I think you and I were kind of talking about provision the other day and worshiping the provider instead of the provision. And I kind of humorously said, you know, it's like we get the provision, but it's not the way we wanted it. And we're just like the Israelites complaining about the manna. They're not dead, but gee, Lord, we just don't really like this. Can't you give us something a little different? (laughs) And how often we are ungrateful for the provision, even in a circumstance, but because it's not on our terms. And the way we want it, we just discount it or don't choose not to see it. Right, right. And I think that's that's often true. I think we just, but at the same time, we're, you know, it's like we see this, like, okay, for example, um, you know, we, we pray for something like, um, like I found my, you know, especially lately, I found myself, you know, praying for our leadership because that's what scripture commands us to do, right? You know, and so and so we end up praying for our leadership. And one of the things that I found myself praying is, Lord, bring them to repentance. And if they won't repent, remove them from power, please. You know, because we see so much ungodliness happening. And I just I find myself praying like, Lord, I know you can provide, but you obviously let this happen for a reason and not not just so much in the political space, although that is a dumpster fire in itself. Um but just in a lot of different areas where we're just like, Lord, and I think there might be some some truth in, in the idea of, um, like, I find myself acting like an Israelite way too much. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you know how, how often do we sit there and gripe and we get angry? I mean, and then you say something stupid to God and you're like, I really shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Yeah, but I also think, you know, there's something in that moment where you're having a real and genuine conversation with the father that loves you. And uh, I I didn't have a healthy, earthly role model for a dad. And um, I I would never dishonor my father. He's he's deceased. 
And I don't want to dishonor him, but to just simply say, I don't think he knew how to be, how to parent. I, I grew up usually feeling like he didn't even really want to. Um, didn't feel like we were part of his plan. And it's really interesting because it took me a long time to understand that God knows he wants me and he has a plan, right? So to go from the way that I grew up to stepping into the very intimate relationship with God was quite a process. That's a whole other conversation in itself because the whole believing that God is your father thing can get really complicated. <laughs> well, I, yeah, there's a lot of our humanity in the way. You know, again, the things that come between us and him. So sin is anything that comes between us and God, right? And we live in a fallen world and <clears throat> we live, uh, part of what we live in is what we call his permissive will. And we'd be the first to go to battle and scream and shout if we didn't, right? We'd be the first to complain because then he would be controlling everything we did. Um, and we'd complain about that. But then when we are given the freedom to live in to whatever degree his permissive will, we also tend to complain about that. My argument would be better that you're going to God and fussing with him than running around fussing at other people about him, right? Because there's still a connection, intimacy, and relationship because you're going to the Father. And we really do see a lot of that fruit of what you're talking about. Um, I would I would suggest that this is why we see a lot of the um, atheists screaming and, and ranting and raving about there is no God, there is no God, because it's easier to gripe about him than to actually go to him. Maybe I always, that's an interesting way to think about it. And because I've always thought about it as just our desire deep down for control is so strong. It's like that thing we want until it bites us <laughs> back. A tenant of not just atheism, but uh, somebody who is just struggling with, I don't uh, you know, I don't want to deal with that there's a God and he doesn't do things I think he should do and things happen that I don't think should. At the heart of that is that that need for control to want things to go a certain way. But I've, I've heard a number of atheists, you know, cry out about where is God? Where is your God <laughs> that they deny when the poop's hitting the fan in their life too? It's kind of like with the police, you know, it's easy to complain about them till you need them. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm thinking of that scene in uh, God's Not Dead and the professor's laying on the ground, right? You know, and 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 here's that um God, every time I see that movie it makes me cry, especially the end. Uh, you know, that 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 pastor's kneeling beside him and I mean the you know, professor's about to die and he's like, Yeah, I know this hurts, but you know, and and the guy and the guy makes this comment that really struck me a lot. Like and it like, huh, that's what a lot of people think. That's how people perceive him is he says no a lot, doesn't he? Sure. But don't you as a parent? True. And I, I mean, I'm not saying the guy's right. I'm saying this is how he is perceived. I'm saying this is how a lot of people like, you know, when I when I when I, you know, before I became a believer, one of my biggest things was. You know, I'm not good with God. He's probably not good with me. As long as we, you know, <laughs> you know I'm good with that. This, you know, I, you know, I honestly thought he didn't give a damn about, about about me at the time. I just didn't, you know, because 
things up to that point when I actually had to confront that issue uh, didn't exactly show me otherwise. Yeah, I kind of thought, uh, you know, if I, I don't know, if I talk to you, I'm having a little party down here. I think I kind of saw him as a killjoy. <laughs> I was a little too busy doing things. I knew I wasn't supposed to be doing. And I'm like, nah, I got, if I talk to you, I got to give some stuff up, you know, or it's because I guess I saw him as a killjoy or kind of stingy or no fun. Um, and it's hard. Right. And these are actual uh, viewpoints that a lot of people have. This is why a lot of people say, no, I'm not interested because they have these assumptions about him. Sure. But guess what? A lot of people that know of me and don't know me have assumptions about me, right or wrong. But if they're not in relationship with me, they're never going to know if those assumptions are true. They don't actually know me. They just know what they think about me or hear about me or, um, you know, here's what my best friend Betty Sue said about me, you know, kind of thing. And so we do that a lot with God. One of the most cringy things I see on social media is when a somebody who's a self-proclaimed atheist or something along that vein, basically, then they'll get on and post things like, you know, Jesus was the original uh, Democrat or the original socialist, you know, <laughs> like you're talking about somebody you don't love, you don't know, and you're jumping to conclusions. And then you're going to try to correct my thinking. And, and I love him and I have a relationship with him and I never respond to those things, but I just kind of cringe. So here's the thing about relationship with God, because I think a lot of people that believe in him or will say, yes, they'll, they'll give intellectual assent. He's real. He exists and still don't live in a relationship. So if you want to know him, if you want to understand him, then you've got to be willing to be in relationship with him where he can reveal himself to you in his time in a right way, just like in any relationship we experience here, right? The, the only difference is you and I are imperfect. We're sinners. We're going to mess up. We're going to hurt each other at times all of those things, the difference in the relationship with him is he's never going to do harm. He's going to grow us, build us, love us, protect us, bless us, provide for us. And I think we get very caught up in what we want from him instead of wanting him. I would say that's probably true. You know, it's not. And and, and again, each situation is like totally different. And yet it's not. I mean, you know, we all have those moments where we're just like, okay, I really need this fixed, whatever this is. We think we do, but do we? And we think we know the terms of the repair, but do we? But I think we make a lot of assumptions that it would be healthy to question. That's kind of a big one. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really is. That, that definitely um, gets my mind. Like, one thing I've always said is like, you know, it's like, I... For example, if I had the opportunity to get my site back, even to the uh, the um, point that it was before, would I take it? I and I, I've really thought about that because I think it would depend on how is it coming. Is it is it a God thing or is it through technology or something like that? And I don't know. Depending on how you know, there's a lot of. I mean, you know, at first you say, "Yeah, sure, I'd take that." In a heartbeat, if I could get past, you know, what I'm dealing with now, which is the constant fan vision, that kind of thing. 
but there's a lot of factors that go into that too, where you go, well, wait a minute, what if it's comes with a few strings attached? So, and it can be um, technology and still be of God. Here's where I land a lot in recent years. Whatever may or may not come down the road becomes almost irrelevant. What matters most to me is in the here and now, in a moment, do I trust God for the things that I need? And do I trust him for the answers? I think we get very caught up in wanting to know the things, right? It's the wrong tree in the garden. And or thinking I have to be able to understand everything to trust God. But do my my own children, you know, as they get older and mature, sure, they they question me more. That's normative, that's healthy, it's there's more autonomy in a sense. But ultimately, their trust is either present or lacking more related to their experiences in relationship with me, not knowing all the things. So if I So you're saying that basically not having to know everything is based largely on how much they trust trust uh, largely on the trust that they have in you. Right. And how do we grow trust? We have to be in relationship. We have to be in connectivity to one another. That's how trust grows. It you could send me a resume of facts. So if I'm considering going into a new business partnership with somebody, you could send me 20 references, pages and pages of facts. Of course, I would run a background check, all of those things. And that gives me somewhere to start. But if you said, well, Sharon, now that you've read this, do you trust me? No, because that has to come out of relationship with you and experiences together and walking through them. So like to kind of, go back around a little bit to where we started, you know, when my husband died, it it really was not about Lord, why didn't you save him? All these questions we tend to have, if we had prayed with more faith, would you have whatever? The only thing I could think of, honestly, Teresa was, I can't get through this without you. So please, please don't ever leave. You know, my, my larger fear, if I had one would have been abandonment. Not going through the loss of my husband, but the possibility of going through it without God. It's the first experience I've had, I think, in my life where I really, for the first time, thought, wow, I can't do this without you. So suddenly the idea of hell, which is eternity without you, makes a lot more sense. And I don't ever want to face that possibility because I... I could sit there and say, there is no way I would have gotten through what I did if God were not in that with me. And I think that that, that what you just touched on right there is something a lot of people do not consider. A lot of people, they live their life, they go through their thing, they do whatever, and they don't consider the option that they have been living so long without God, he's simply going to grant their request and, and never be with them again. Well, I, yeah, again, there's our free will. You know, that thing we demand but get really mad about <laughs> when life doesn't go our way. Yeah, we're very childish. I mean, we really truly are. If you pull back from it and look at it big picture, we're very childish in our demands and our faith often. Um, so I guess it's good that he tells us, you know, come to me like these small children. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, Lord, I know how to do that. 
But it, it really, I think what you really, what you said really touched on something. It's just like, how often do you hear people, and especially lately um, in, in, in things that we condone, things that we do, whether it be partying or, or God, whatever you want to call it. Okay. We live so much as though God doesn't exist. And if he does, I, I'm good with him, you know, as long as, you know, whatever. And we live without him for so long. And then when we go to face him, you know, what, what he's, he's going to look at us and go, well, you pretty much didn't know me. Uh, you lived as though I didn't exist in your entire life. So I'm going to grant your request. And um, to me, that is the saddest uh, statement of things that could possibly happen. It's kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? Because those would be your brothers and sisters in Christ that chose not to be participate in the family in a sense. And I, I think we often present when God, we learn that in scripture, he's going to say to some of us, I, I never knew you. And I think that's, we put that. That scripture as, scares the crap out of me. Cause you oh, read that. It, no, no, no. Every time no. you read it, you go, Whoa, I don't, I never want to be on that side. That should never scare you. But it, it, it does because I think there's so many people that don't no. know him. No, no, no. Here, let me let me tell you why. We tend to read that passage, and I did for years, as if God's just going to decide, yeah, I know you think we were hanging out, but I never knew you. Like, he's just going to zappo us with that and mess with us, which is really interesting because that would really mean we see him as a manipulative God. So that's a whole other issue. But he's, he's saying literally, I don't know you. So if you know God, he knows you. If you're in an intimate relationship with him, he's an intimate relationship with you. It takes two people to be in relationship. So I don't find that fearful. I find that kind of when I stepped into much more intimacy with God and the, as the relationship grew, the more I went, oh, you're not saying, well, we'll see, buddy. You're saying literally, there's those of you that talk about me. You acknowledge my existence, but we don't we don't actually know each other. We don't have a relationship because you know me from spending time with me, right? Okay. You if you never spent time with me, you would know you would not know my heart on these matters because it takes intimacy and time spent to get to know each other. I know your heart on some pretty big things uh in life too, but we've spent the time you know, and we've conversated and, and, and debated things. And yeah, yeah, you're right on that. Right. If you just read a book about me or a magazine article, I mean, I, I can read about Bill Gates. Do I know him? No. Okay. I've read facts that may or may not be facts, actual facts. I've read uh, somebody else's opinion, even in the way they've presented the information, but I don't know him. I have no so to know is an intimate thing. It requires revelation. We're revealing ourselves to one another. It's We use the word know very casually a lot, but to know someone is actual intimacy, to truly know them and to... Ex- I wonder how many people they think, I know for a fact, I, I know God. And I, and I don't say that um, in a, in a um, like, we talk, I pray, I get answers, I know his voice, you know, because he says my sheep know my voice, right? But there's a lot of people like they do the the church thing. They 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 go to church. They they say the prayers. They 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 talk the language, so to speak. But they don't know him, 
And to me, I think that is that is the scariest place you could possibly be because you think you're good, but in reality, you're not because you don't know him. Yeah, which is interesting because scripture says in New Testament, there is none who is good, no, not one, right? So the minute I think I'm good, I'm measuring my performance, trying to be a good person or a quote unquote good Christian. And that's not really intimate relationship is it it's performance based boy that does tend to creep in doesn't it (laughs) and it really shouldn't oh yeah i I say all the time i think a lot of us even those of us that are are true believers and have that intimacy with god if we're not really careful we very easily can get caught up in um practicing what i call practical humanism putting self first the person as the ultimate authority and and thing right we we live in that space a lot as sinners and that's the struggle of the flesh and the spirit and the old man and the new man you know i don't do the things i want to do i do the things i don't want to do the roman <laughs> seven seven dilemma mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> so, every time you read that passage you're like yes i can relate to that thank you very much <laughs> yeah i and i don't know how other people feel but if you said, Sharon, are you a good person? I'd be like, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, my I answer know. is not, not exactly. Believe me, I got my own skeletons. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I don't think at all. It's not even about skeletons. It's how many thoughts I had today that either I took captive or didn't. But, you know, the battleground is in the mind. Um, or I'm working on this project and I see somebody else have success in an area where I'm feeling insecure and struggling. And that flash of jealousy. It's 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 in all of that. This isn't about skeletons. This is about our flesh. That this is about where we live. So there's no such, you know, I'm like, what good person? Right, right. And you're sitting there going, okay, I'm working on this thing and I see someone else are doing really good at it and I'm not. And what am I doing wrong? You know, like so yeah, I totally get that, you know. So I guess to bring this back around. If someone's listening to this and they're going, well, I'm kind of in a mess. How do I build on this relationship thing? Well, number one, I would say, whoever you are listening, we're all in a mess. You're not alone. Uh, If you get caught up in believing that you cut yourself off, you are cut off. um, And that's very dangerous. That's what we call that isolation, right? Where I can paste the smile on and even look church, but I'm dying inside maybe. So I want you to know, number one, you're not alone. We are all in a mess. We are all struggling. Let's, let's just normalize struggle if we can start there. And my goal is never the absence of struggle. It's to just struggle well. And the only way that I can do that is in a dependence and a trust in God. And I don't try to grow those. I, tr- I, he's, he is going to grow my faith. He's going to grow my trust. He's going to grow my dependence. I have the choice to walk away from that or participate in it. And so as dumb as this might sound to say, it is as simple as choosing. Here's what I know. Here's what I know can immediately begin to build intimacy with God. Confess, get honest with him, tell him how you really feel, tell him what you really think. And uh, because confession is not for his sake, it's for ours. And I cannot hold on to something and let go of it. And confession gives me a way to let go of what I'm holding. It gives me 
a genuine connection with God, a genuine conversation with him, because I'm being honest. So if all you can do, I would tell somebody and I tell people this on a regular basis, but I'm so mad at him, Sharon. What do I do? Tell him you're pissed off at him. Tell him how mad you are and why. Because if he says, come to me as these children, then trust him for that. And so trust that he can handle your childish behavior and he can handle your anger. He's God. This is not about what uh, we can do for God. He's God. It's about he wants relationship with us. And through that relationship, all are served in a right way, in a better way. So get honest with him. Because a lot of us just aren't honest with him. We acknowledge him. We might have even accepted Christ in our hearts and we have the indwelling of the spirit. But um, I don't. I think a lot of us just don't get honest with him. We let shame get in the way and short circuit that. Yeah, I, I think there, there's definitely something there. And I think... Like I really don't want to. I really don't want to touch that area. But but he wants to. Even if you know, let him into your mess. We said that last time. Let him into your mess. He is the god of messes. He's not looking for you to fix yourself up. Um, he's in the business of transformation, which is him working inside out, not conformity. And we know. I think a lot of us understand Old Testament law, the New Testament being the fulfillment. What a lot of people know, I think, is the New Testament was literally called the great love story. Think about that. We all love a good love story. And here's a real one, a very real one. And it, he, this New Testament and the kind of Christ and those things are the fulfillment of the law because love is greater than the law. And that's a transformative process because if I am being transformed inside out, through love and truth and goodness by God himself, I'm not going to need law. Like you won't have to tell me, Sharon, don't drive 65 uh, through the school section when kids are getting out. I'm not, I'm going to go, wow, I want to be careful. I see children out and I don't want to hurt anybody. That's what, and there are, you know, that might sound silly, but consider that there are people like antisocial personality disorders, there's population, there are people that don't have them, don't care, that don't have those feelings. Right. And so you have to kind of go, okay, how does that work when, when there are people who don't have that connection? One of the first things that, that, that they got to do is get the introduction to Christ, because I think that will change everything for them, you know? And I, I think, I think, Sharon, what you're talking about here is something where it's like, Like, if you don't know Christ, the first thing to do is to make that introduction. And I've talked about that before. It's as simple as ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that God is who he says he is, that he is uh, human and God, that he came to live a life we couldn't live, died on a a cross, rose again, and is coming back. Okay. You know, and then then C is confess it. Confess it to someone else. Tell someone that you've now become a Christian. That's like the ABCs of the faith. But then building on that, I think, is the relationship piece where you bring all this stuff, um, whatever that stuff is. And I do mean, like, I mean, whatever. And, and believe me, I'm not talking like I don't have a, um, have my own issues. Sharon, you and I have c- conversated enough on that subject. But here's what's beautiful. You don't even have to keep caveating that. That, that needs no explanation. That's the baseline we're all at. We all know it. So we don't have to run around and say, just because I'm sharing truth with you, 
I don't have to run around going, I'm not saying I'm a perfect person. I, that's the obvious part, <laughs> which is really great because then it's very obvious that what I'm talking about is not something of me or that I can generate or of myself. I'm telling you about this God that I know and that I love. And, and when you say, I don't get it, I don't get it. How do you go through this? And, and I've seen how you've hurt, but you have joy or you have that peace. You've rebuilt your life, all of those things. And I'm like, well, let me tell you about my best friend. You've got to meet him, right? We don't have to caveat how screwed up we are. Everybody's aware. I think God does certain things to get our attention. I really do believe that because I've seen it. There was a time, um, you know, when when I was a, a, a teenager, I think mom and I were we were driving somewhere and all of a sudden our like this big like this red car came so close. Our front end, the front end of our car literally disappeared for a minute and it went past. I still to this day don't know what exactly happened. I don't because we should have been hit and we weren't. Um, all I can say is that God kind of intervened and then some. And, you know, my mom was sitting on my bed later that day and it was um, it was a night of a youth, um, youth group. And I'm like, Mom, you and I need you need, you need to come with me to church. And to that point, she wouldn't listen to me up till that point. And then that night she actually went with me. It was one of the coolest, you know, she didn't become a Christian at that point, but I believe that that was one of those God has your attention moments. Well, even even a, an atheist can recognize if they're intellectually honest moments of divination that, that, that are inexplicable on their terms. And God does intervene. I, I think what we wrestle with is we don't get to control the when, the where, and the how where he will intervene and protect and rescue and where where he allows things to play out. Um, but I think that goes back to the what we think we have to know to trust him. And I don't feel that way anymore. I, I'm like, I'm going to let God be God because that's a lot of pressure. I, I have in 53 years on this planet. I've never figured out all the hows and the whys and the wheres and the answers to my own life. I know that in relationship with him, I have comfort and peace and joy and so many other things. And I see his hand. I see his hand in all of it. And he does promise I will use all things to the good of those who love me. He doesn't say all things will be good. He says he'll use it all. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And, you know, I've had a, a lot of conversations with people and sharing their story. And there are some of them, my mouth just goes, huh? How? You know, so I totally hear what you're saying. So, I mean, that to me is like, I think that's, that's, I think that's a good place to kind of leave things for now. Um, Sharon, do you have anything that you want to kind of wrap up and, and, and kind of finish this thing off with? All I can say to anybody listening is, you know, we've, we've not even come close to tackling the, you know, things today. We've, I feel like we've scratched the surface pretty good. Right. But all I can say is if, if you really want to know who God is, even if it's to reject him, if, if you really are just struggling with who is this guy and what do I really think about him? The only way you're going to truly find that out is to be willing to step into relationship with him. <laughs> and, you know, maybe that's the part that scares people. 
I have never regretted a single moment I've drawn closer to God or chosen the relationship with him over all else in my life. It is only, it's fed me, it's nurtured me, it's, it's water, it's life. It's rescued me more times than I can count, even from my own stupid, stupid choices. Stuff I will never say on this podcast. <laughs> so test him. Step into it and test him. We're encouraged to do that. He's not afraid of that. He's not going to slap you down for that. So if you want to get to know him, you've got to get to know him. You can't get to know him by listening to what everybody else says about him. Right? I hear a lot of people you know, say that like, God, if you're real, would you show yourself? And I've been there with him. And maybe we can talk about that next time. You've got my permission to do that. If you want to go there, I, I can tell you about, I'll call it this. The moment I stood under a tree in my front yard and shook my fist at God and told him, show me. And that wasn't me coming into salvation. That was the beginning of a relationship with him that got real. Amen. Amen. Uh, and I think, I, yeah, that definitely sounds like a different. Um, so I'm. Guys, Sharon's going to be back pretty often. If you like hearing what she has to say, let me know. Teresa at unresolved.life. And, um, you know, I I would just encourage you, uh, based on my experience, like, he isn't afraid of a challenge. And if you are at a place where you just want to know that you know, <laughs> I've been at that place where I'm really pissed off at him. I've been there. Best, and I, I I I agree with Sharon. Best thing to do is to tell him because he can handle he can handle that kind of stuff. He got big shoulders. He's you know he's got big shoulders. I think he can handle it. Doesn't mean we always handle it right, but it means he can handle it. So, with that, I'm Teresa Blaze. This is the Unresolved Life Podcast. We will speak again next time. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.